Hello and welcome to the DJ Force 10 in Conversation podcast. My very special guest on today's show is founding member and bass player from the band Pitchifter. Um, they're currently supporting a, a 20th anniversary release of Everything's Fucked, uh, which is available now on their band camp, so go check it out. They released the single 20 years ago um, this year, and they've re-released it with some friends on it this year as well. So do check that out. It's got my boys in Seething and Kira on there. Uh, Tony Campos from Static X, Misery Loves Company, and a whole bunch of others. So please go check that out. And um, yeah, it's on their like Bandcamp site, so go check that out. Also, Mark is um, so currently supporting a, a charity. I just want to give that a shout out because I think it's an absolute amazing thing. It's called a la- It's called Last Night a DJ Saved My Life. Okay, uh, Bristol, and uh, it's on Crowdfunder, which is crowdfunder.co.uk. And uh, just type in Last Night a DJ Saved My Life Bristol, uh, and it will bring up his uh, donations page. And basically what it is, it's raising money to buy portable hand-wound radios uh, to give to the homeless and those who are uh, in isolation or um, sheltering or any of the people generally that don't have much in the way of family around them or friends. Um, and it's just a great way of, of, of giving people up-to-date news and stuff. Uh, that's what we talk about in the podcast um, a bit towards the end about it, but I think it's an absolute fantastic cause, and and I implore you to please go donate whatever you can um, to that. And um, yeah, he's currently getting the radios done now, um, and he's got a whole bunch of them going out. So um, yeah, and also Pit Shifter, they've got a tour next year. They've announced um, at the end of next year, a sort of week long run of dates. Uh, got London, Wolverhampton, um, Nottingham in there. Um, I'm actually going to be going to the Nottingham show. So if anyone ends up going there, uh, if you see me, you know what I look like, <laughs> come say hi. Uh, it's about a year and a half away, but don't worry about that. It's all good. Uh, but yeah, apart from that, a um, couple of things have been great uh, over the last week uh, with the reaction from the um, Head P show. Sorry, Head P. And um, yeah, just a lot of people downloading it and, and all that kind of good stuff. And absolutely uh, loving interviewing these bands that, that I followed when I was younger um and like with pitch shifter and um with a future podcast with earth tone nine i was actually a member of their street team uh which back in the day was the way well one way promotion was done um it's not so much done these days because uh, not a lot of people go out <laughs> well i say that a lot of people do go out you can see that at the moment but um yeah generally i was a street teamer which meant sort of it's a bit like flyering so there was flyers involved but there's also stickers cds cassette tapes all that kind of stuff um and um actually getting to speak to these guys is absolutely amazing and sort of taking them back to that time and era uh when they were sort of uh, supporting pitchshifter.com uh which was kind of like a breakthrough album for them um and beyond that as well uh, i mean i had uh, jim davies on the show so we talked about it a little bit on there uh, i've still got mark on it today uh, i've got carl from f09 in september and uh, i'm currently lining up a couple more from that era obviously i had head pe as well and static x um so sort of going back to that sort of like i'd say prime uh new metal era i guess is the uh is the area i'm looking at because that was my sort of like late teens and early 20s where music kind of hits you right in the sweet spot um but yeah apart from that i just want to give a shout out to everyone that's been downloading like i already said and listening and and i hope you guys are enjoying these shows and uh yeah without much further ado uh, this is mark from pitch shifter enjoy A 
like to uh, welcome Mark to the show today. He is uh, the bassist and founding member of Pitch Shifter. Welcome, Mark. Hi, thank you very much for having me on the show. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Like I said, it's absolutely my pleasure beforehand, and uh, I'm going to say it now, <laughs> to have you guys on the show. Um, as I mentioned as well, I've been a fan of Pitch Shifter for a very long time. Um, I just I want to take you back to my origins, and I'm going to ask you about yours as well. Um, <laughs> basically, I, I think the first show I saw you guys um, was, I, th- I want to say it was at the Astoria, and I think you were supporting someone like Neurosis or Entombed. Sounds about right, yeah. Sounds about right. It was kind of like <laughs> yeah. infotainment days. Yeah. It was around then, just before .com, that cycle of .com. Um, okay. And then, um, yeah, so you got, and then, then you played the Agincourt in Camberley um, just before .com came out, I think. Um, yes. And uh, you were supported by Bully Rag and uh, a band called Floor, which went on to be 100 Reasons. Um, yes. <laughs> I, I know these minute details. So, um, but, no, <laughs> okay. I mean, but no, that show totally, I mean, the show before blew me away because I love that kind of like dark industrial tribal sound. So that whole gig was kind of my thing. Um, but I also love electronic music. So okay. when I saw you guys at the Agincourt, you yes. to- totally blew me away. Um, just like having that 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 kind of fusion of of um, kind of big room electronics rather than the sort of like dark industrial stuff that you kind of had. That was kind of your thing before. Yes. Um, but you kind of made that transition to the sort of like I, I call it big room because um, it's more sort of like it's cleaner. Okay, yeah. Uh, if that makes sense to you, I don't know. Yeah, no, it it's, does, yeah. It's, it's DJ language for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah. Well, yeah, and, sorry. Um, yeah, sorry. And then since then, I saw you guys at the Astoria with One Minute Silence. I saw you at the Astoria pretty much every year when you did, like, the Kerrang! shows and all that kind of stuff. Yes. And then I saw you in Nottingham a year and a half ago. Um, how, was, how was it? That was <laughs> It was brilliant. I loved it. Um, it was a real sort of shot back in time for me because uh, you had Earth Tone 9 and the Blueprint on there as well. That's right. Um, so yes. it was a proper shot, shot back. I just had Carl on the show, actually, as well. Um, Fantastic. We've got a podcast Great. coming out next month, in fact, for that, uh, the 20th anniversary of Arc Tangent. So yes um but yeah no we saw that show and um i brought my uh my stepdaughter along and uh you have a new fan in the shape of my stepdaughter um excellent and, and my wife was already a fan as well so it was all good um and i've actually got tickets for your next tour as well um amazing well thank you very much no worries i'm gonna come up to nottingham again so um obviously if it, shit goes yes ahead. i'll make i'll make sure we won't disappoint it's gonna be a great show at nottingham <laughs> I was gonna say you guys have never disappointed me to be fair. I mean the Astoria one of my like it's one of my favourite venues I've ever been to. Um yes. unfortunate enough not to play it, unfortunately. I'd really love to at some point, but obviously it's gone now. Um yes. but no, those sort of gigs, that was when I was a bit more active in the crowd below rather than the crowd above. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, when age hits you and children start going in the pit. Um <laughs> Yeah, of course. But um no, I mean there's just some of my fondest memories of going to those shows and it was you guys, one minute silence, um because uh, I was a street team for a lot of you as well. Um Yes. Yeah, like Earth Tone Nine and stuff like that, Mud Vein, all that kind of ilk. Um back then cool. I was I was more active in the sort of like I'd say publicity side of being a street teamer and handing out cds cassettes talking to people about you guys and all that kind of stuff so great well thank you very much that's cool no worries it's quite the intro this is probably one of the longest ones i've done uh (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah no what i was going to do is bring up to sort of like uh today i want to talk about dot com because i missed that opportunity a couple of years ago 
because okay. um, like I said, that album kind of really, really spoke to me because I, like I I'm a DJ and, and electronic music's a passion of mine. And also punk and metal is a passion of mine as well. And it was, yes. that, it was that full-on fusion that I hadn't heard in that style, really. There was a few bands in and out that I kind of um, got it from uh, that sort of didn't last very long. Yeah. Uh, but you guys really brought it to the forefront. So what I want to do, actually, let's, let's just talk .com first. Okay, <laughs> no worries. Um, taking you back to that sort of time, because um, obviously you made a shift. I mean, between, I've got like your really early albums, like Industrial and Submit and things like that. Yeah. Um, and it's quite a change. I mean, infotainment is a kind of bridge for it, I feel. Yes. Yeah, um, exactly. But was that, was that the kind of like roadmap you guys wanted to take at the time? We didn't, we hadn't planned to. Um, I think what happened was we just wanted to be, when we first started, we just wanted to be as brutal as possible. Yeah. And, you know, we, we made sure that the live shows reflected that as well. So this was at a time when we would, you know, play videos of mass animal slaughter and yeah. all sorts of horrific <laughs> things on TV screens. And um, uh, we would then beat the screens up with baseball bats and smash everything to pieces at the end, et cetera, and just be as heavy as possible. And I think we sort of realized after a a few years we sort of sat down and thought we just we we wouldn't feel happy keeping do, keeping on doing that and effectively we felt that if we did we'd just be releasing the same album every year and okay. we personally personally we wouldn't have been happy with that and we didn't feel that, that was something we wanted to do for the fan base either because we felt that we could see that you know people don't just like one style of music obviously this is a long time ago obviously you were there yeah. so you can remember so it you know it was kind of it was right at the sort of dawn of, of people saying hey it's okay to like lots of different styles of music it's fine it's cool and check out all these styles and you know and when things happened like drum and bass blew up you know first of all it started in the underground obviously as yeah. things always do before they're successful we just we really just sort of like tuned into it and thought wouldn't it be great to just take some of that and put it into what we're doing it might sound insane and we don't really know what the end result will be or how people will react to it but we thought we'd do it anyway. So the infotainment was kind of the move towards the change yeah. um, because we felt that if we if we literally went from desensitized straight to .com, probably would have been too much, I think, for people to go, hang on, what? what? People probably would have thought it was a different band and it would have been too confusing. Yeah. So we kind of, infotainment was definitely a stepping stone. And we, in terms of where we were creatively when we were writing .com, we were under no pressure whatsoever from any label to write a record. Wow. We, at that point, we weren't sure if we were going to continue or not. We had a few label issues, which we won't talk about because it's boring in the past. That's why I'm, um, I think it's been well documented. <laughs> yeah, but, um, but we sort of thought, well, you know, if we do make a record again, it should be something we really want to do. It should push a lot of boundaries. And, you know, we want to challenge ourselves and we want to challenge people who listen to it as well. So that's kind of, that was the thinking behind us sort of disappearing into a, into a room and just getting on with it for a period of time. And I think when we came out of the other side, it was... It was a strange time initially because people didn't know how to categorize what it was. So we kind of, we had a lot of interviews where people were saying we don't know what to call it. And we said, well, why don't you just call it uneasy listening or, you know, we'd make a joke out of it. Um, <laughs> and then we found that a lot of festivals, we'd just get put on with Atari Teenage Riot. And that was the only, that was a band that they, we got put on every single festival with for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, so we got to know those guys really well, which is great to, to play together. And obviously, 
all the heavier bands are playing around us so we still had our sort of roots and friendships with neurosis and lots of the heavier bands like obituary and sort of all those guys but it's kind of that experimental time was fun for us and it kind of opened a lot of doors as well and we sort of catch you know the, the phrase that we used at that point was you know we've we've done lots of time in the underground and now we're just we're just going to go overground and see what happens yeah you know and that that was kind of the plan for dot com and that, that that's kind of as, probably as far as we got in our heads yeah. and then obviously we had to we then went out and toured for two and a half years straight when, when the record came out. So that was that was quite a shock for us, even though we were used to touring. Um, touring solidly for two and a half years was obviously, you know, quite a testing time for everyone. Yeah. You know, it, was cool. it was fine. It was good. You know, don't get me wrong. Nothing, nothing bad happened. But just to literally say, okay, well, let's just get on the bus now. Here we go. We'll be back in two and a half years' time. See ya. <laughs> was pretty crazy yes yeah no that is that is insane thinking about it like you know being in a music band myself and stuff and like having that maybe put ahead of me i would have maybe given it a, like i don't know if i've given it a second thought or not but it's just one of those situations where i guess you know i mean you had a major label behind you for it as well so, yes yeah um, definitely was yeah. there pressure post that then for it i know obviously you said like pre you know you didn't have any pressure writing it or putting anything together but once like you had geffen involved did that change um not really i think we probably felt some obligation that we should probably you know put our heads down and, and get on with making the next record um which we kind of did with deviant so i think we worked yeah. pretty hard on that one um and then kind of uh, it was when deviant was released um we switched from geffen we were put onto mca yeah. um mca said what do you want to do and we said duh the ozfest so uh <laughs> they they chucked us on the ozfest for three months in which we we played all of america across three months which is probably one of the mental craziest times that we've ever had which is saying a lot yeah. you know that we've we've talked for 25 years but i think that's probably one of the craziest years and that was with you know getting to know and playing with incubus queens of the stone age you know all the bands that are on the tour that year yeah. it was just incredible it was just yeah totally life-changing moment and i think we just thought we felt at that point you know what we've worked so hard to get here we're just going to let our hair down a bit so we probably should have written a lot more music on that the Ozfest after we'd released Deviant than we did. But we thought, you know what, we're just going to party for a while and yeah. we're just going to play live and do what we do live because people enjoy it and so do we. Um, so we didn't sort of knuckle down and, and sort of write in the next. We didn't knuckle down, sorry, to write the next record. But I, I don't think there's any regrets there. It's just a sort of decision we made at the time. Yeah, no, I mean it's. I mean it's that kind of thing, you know. At- playing a, a festival like that constantly through the states especially if you've like you get to obviously travel a lot of it you get to explore yes. some of it as well sitting down or bunking down in your bus and writing music isn't like the forefront of your mind you're in these crazy part of the countries and, and it's like you go into the rural states side of things and it everything changes it becomes a very different country definitely like, and from the city so completely you know and obviously in america a lot of the states are different you know it's almost they feel like different countries almost some of the states but you know when you compare them to each other and also if you think you know the land mass of the uk would fit into america 50 times at least um you know you know one of the drives alone was a thousand miles you know so just stuff like that's just crazy but but you know great fun yeah yeah no i lived in the states for for a period of time so i i sort of have that experience in me as well which is kind of nice but yeah you're right everywhere, everywhere's like kind of like you know you can drive there but it is a couple hundred miles 
yes <laughs> if you exactly. want to get there yeah. um but no it was yes yeah, it, it was a cool time but uh, no that's 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 amazing i i mean like thinking back to then like there were obviously like i mentioned before it was you guys it was one minute silence like those the, the sort of younger bands of that time um, yes as in to the public eye i know you guys were around a little bit before that um, um but yeah just like coming up to sort of like um towards like i know you meant you mentioned deviant um and psi as well yes um so so when you got to writing around sort of like the psi era what was sort of going on at that point well first of all we knew we wanted to make something heavy again um as we were writing psi so the the, sort of the first thing that came up was um that we'd moved to drop tuning to make it heavier than the previous records um and a lot of the psi record was written with jim and john so they they kind of lived together while they were writing that record um this was in our base of nottingham where we lived for you know well decades we were in nottingham for um but it was kind of we just wanted to do a heavy record to see how it was received we weren't sure how much longer we wanted to do the band for you know as you say you know life takes people in different directions at all different points um and you know i think the obviously the turning point for us was the psi record sort of thinking we'll we'll do this we'll tour it you know and we'll see how it goes and you know mainly as well we'd see how we felt about it and and what where everybody wanted to go where we're heading yeah you know because it's kind of uh, being in a band yourself you know it's the band never live in the same place but and when as soon as you've got people on different time zones things become difficult and you know it's kind of it was a world away basically from when we first started back in sort of 1990 in those first few years when we literally were a unit you know and we did everything together and that would be you know eating breathing sleeping touring getting in the van writing songs mm. doing the, the the two peel sessions that we did everything we kind of did back then in the early 90s was kind of like solidified the band certainly myself and my brother yeah. um kind of you know it was a, a very different animal but if we time travel forward to um you know the psi record we're all great friends and really close to each other and we still are which is fantastic um but i think we just come to that sort of period where we thought let's let's write it record it put it out tour it and then sort of see what we want to do in the future yeah no that's fair enough i mean i had um i had jim on the show actually uh oh fantastic uh when was that it was a couple of it was, it was during lockdown uh when he released his album in fact yes um, yeah Head Wars. i played i played on it yeah. yes I, yeah, I was about to ask you about that it's kind of nice nice little like that that sort of era pitch shifter reunion which was kind of nice so um but yeah no so I, like, I got to the point like see um like you released that that sort of i think it was like the final show ep um as well uh the num for all and all yes for one. um yeah i got i got a copy of that which is cool um cool <laughs> in fact i've got your entire discography i'm not gonna <laughs> i've got even got some on vinyl which is kind of cool as well so um that's very cool but yeah no i just um like at that point obviously i, w- I was quite up like you know sad that you guys were sort of calling it a day for that or going into hiatus i think the term was at the time yes. um but yeah no i mean I th- like during that time off like obviously I, I sort of came a bit more aware of what you guys were doing sort of like on the back end like you had like movie soundtrack like tracks on movies and adverts and stuff you like doing sync i think they call it that's right tracks yeah sync and stuff so like during that sort of like um like off time i know you you were kind of busy with the blueprint yeah uh you did this is menace as well that's right. Uh, what about what about like the other guys and stuff in the band? Because uh, I know I think obviously John. Well, yeah, John. John was um, in America by that point, so yeah. he was uh, he'd moved to Los Angeles. So he started another band called Doheny, which is sort of more 
um, rock than pitch shifter. Um, so, you know, traditional sort of five piece, um, two guitars, drums, bass, vocals. Um, so he'd done that. Um, Jason, um, at the time was sort of drumming for various bands. So Jason's yeah. sort of, he's drummed, you know, in the past, building up to now being in Bullet from the Valentine. He, he was drumming for, um, Pot Will Eat Itself, Fight Star, um, Killing Joke. He, he, he was out with a lot of bands, basically. Yeah. So if people, if drummers needed cover, you know, for personal reasons, if they had family, you know, stuff that they needed yeah. to, to be around for family for, then he'd always cover. So he was doing a lot of tours by that point. And then, um, obviously Bullet came along. This was a long time ago. And yeah. he sort of said, you know, fair enough, I'll, I'll commit to Bullet. And now that's full time for him, which he's loving. Yeah. Um, and so, John, yeah, John was obviously doing the Doheny stuff and Jim um, was continually writing so I'm sure Jim's talked about it but he does a lot of music for soundtracks, films TV, movies, all that sort of stuff so he's built up an incredibly huge library of stuff Um, and in terms of sort of guitarists moving forward you know because obviously we had a sort of changing in guitarists around that time so we've got Dan Rayner and Tim Rayner now they were both um, writing for Sync as well so they were writing a lot of music with their um, band which is called Drawbacks um, and they've had a lot of stuff as well in terms of sync so they've written you know a lot of placement music for tv film adverts that sort of stuff Um, and now i mean do you want me to bring you up to kind of now yeah yeah we're doing it period by period no no we'll go up to now yeah bring bring it up to now um obviously john is own doing pitch shifter musically um Jim is still doing lots of his soundtrack stuff, so he's literally got archives and libraries of stuff, which is awesome. Um, Jason's obviously on uh, on a break at the moment until Bullet can tour again. Yeah, um, but I, I believe they're writing. Um, Dan Rayner is um, runs a film company, so um, that's called Beguiled Productions. So he's out filming, obviously filming as much as he can yeah. in the in the current situation. Um, Tim is um still doing lots of stuff for sync um and he teaches music as well mm-hmm. um and in terms of myself um i've started another band because i just can't stop i can't <laughs> stop doing music so um <clears throat> basically I'll, I'll, this isn't a plug but i'll just throw these things in just because it'll kind of make sense of why i'm doing what i'm doing but you've touched on uh, this is menace yep what I did with This Is Menace is I thought we released the, with This Is Menace, I decided I wanted to release two albums with 21 different singers because I just like a challenge. So I managed to get 21 different singers together and release the two albums. And then I suddenly thought a couple of months ago, the first record's 15 years old this year. Wow. <laughs> and I thought there's probably a lot of people who haven't heard it or don't even know it exists, you know, never mind heard it. So what I'm going to be doing um, probably in about three months' time is I'm going to be releasing a third album with This Is Menace, a super limited edition coloured vinyl um, with some unreleased material on it. Um, and that's just because, well, I want to because it's fun. And, <laughs> and uh, I've kind of, you know, got back into dialogue with some of the vocalists and stuff. And they're like, yeah, sure, that'd be cool. So that that's kind of coming out. But on the back of conversations about doing that third Menace releasing the third menace record um i suddenly thought well this would be a good opportunity probably to do something heavy again so um i have got together with adam who is the singer from a band called stamping ground and um i pulled in paul fletcher who's from romeo must die who is also in this is menace and we we've basically got a new band together which is called Hangman Hill, and that we're going to release a five-track EP in November this year. Um, we're recording it soon with um, Scott 
who produces Cradle of Filth, so it's going to be very heavy, nice. and um, I'm very excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> so, ah, so, um, so for me, it's kind of at the moment, it, I'm balancing, uh, re, you know, bringing out that uh, Menace album, working on new stuff for Hangman Hill, and also as we're projecting forward to the Pitch Shifter tour, I know it's a year away, yeah. but we've um, we've got a lot of exciting things happening around that as well, nice. uh, releases and things going on. So yeah, cool. Yeah, I was going to ask if there's anything future Pitch Shifter release wise. Well, in terms of what I can talk, I can't talk about it all. I hate to be one of those people. No, but, it's um, fine. <laughs> what I can talk about is this, is it will be 30 years next year uh, um, since we released in the industrial record. Oh, wow. So Peaceville have contacted me and said, you do know it's going to be 30 years next year. And I said, yeah, thanks. Don't remind me. I feel old <laughs> enough as it is. Um, so I've been working in collaboration with Peaceville and they are going to re-release um, a special vinyl edition of Industrial next year, um, which contains a set of liner notes written by me, which is talking all about the experiences of when I started the band, why I started the band, what yeah. happened, what got us to the Peel sessions and the first shows record deals that sort of stuff yeah it's also going to feature um some photo unreleased sort of photos and stuff like that from my personal archives which i've kind of kept for three decades and um, <laughs> so that's one thing that's happening and we're also that kind of spurred me on to want to do a few more things so what i've done is the original demo that that i released only to record labels in uh, 1990 yeah. i've got that pressed up actually onto cassette tapes oh. and that is going to be super limited um which we're going to bring out in the next six months we'll bring out sort of some of the first batch and then we're going to save some back for the tour which will be you know they'll be different there'll be only a hundred of them yeah. ever released we'll make it super super rare sort of thing just because people like that sort of stuff they do so um so those are the releases that i'm allowed to talk about there okay. will be some more but right. yeah no that's really cool i mean that 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 my wallet's screaming already so <laughs> <laughs> okay. especially when you mention vinyl because i'm a i'm a, like i said a dj but i'm like a i'm a, a the, like, i'm an old school dj so i've got a set of turntables next to me right now so, um, but I've, I, th I think I've got, I can't remember which one I've got. I think I might have industrial on vinyl already. Amazing. That's, um, that is super rare now. Cause I've, I've obviously had to look around in regards to, you know, peace for asking me about yeah. the cover and you know, what, what the original looked like, et cetera. And what we want the new one to look like. So I've, I've said that I want it to be exactly the same. The photo may change, but, um, it's just very quickly. Cause it's a funny story. Yeah, go um, for it. Peaceful, when they first contacted me and we agreed that we would reissue and it's all fantastic and they've been really helpful and great to work with, they kind of said, uh, there's just one thing, though. And I said, uh, yeah, what was that? And they said, uh, you, the original artwork was sent to us on, a, on like a color photograph and some black and white photocopying. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Which was lost many, many years ago, probably over uh -huh. 20 years ago. <laughs> So um, we've basically had to recreate the album cover through, you know, high, high res scans from, yeah. you know, original vinyl that I've, I've kept in my personal collection. So, nice. yeah. Yeah, there you go. Got, um, I think I've got Death Industrial as well on 7-inch. Cool. Just, just that think, is very rare. Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking of my, what collection I have of you guys. But no, that's really good. I mean, like, I'm, I'm a sucker for vinyl. So, yes, I'll, I'll be buying that. And probably the cassette tape as well, just because so um, fantastic that's cool um but well, that was, like obviously but that's sort of happening uh then if we talk about now uh, i want to talk about the uh everything fuck 2020 yes. um i really enjoyed obviously when you re released it originally i have the single um but you yes. guys got some uh got some friends together with us and i've already talked to one of them i talked to tony campos of static x uh recently and uh i just keep to be yeah. 
I yes. have, I'm name dropping a lot here. I'm really sorry. Um, <laughs> That's okay. Well, you, you run a podcast, so hopefully people are talking to you. Yeah, yeah. hopefully, yes, and listening as well. Um, but yes. yeah, no, it's um, yeah, no, it's really cool. Cause, like for the list of people, and you got my my boys in Soothing Akira on there. Um, yes, which they're like my. I mean, I love those guys full out. I've been a fan of them for uh, since I was put their way basically probably great four or five i don't know six years ago and i finally finally got to see them live last year um oh cool for the first time because I'd, I'd i'd been back in the uk for about three years and yeah. for some reason i hadn't really been out and then they ended up doing this random show in uh worthing worthing yeah bar 42 i think it was and, That's right. um, yeah. yeah no i just went down and went, actually went to go see them but i've had them on my show twice uh, we've always like got along and stuff, but um, yeah, no, it was really cool to see you've actually got those guys on there because I know they played uh, your Portsmouth show, didn't they? Um, That's right. So yeah, what happened is um, Jim actually mixed some of their tunes for them. Yeah. So I was aware of them because of that, and obviously then I checked them out and sort of you know did a bit of my own personal research on them and thought, yeah, they're great. So we kind of we got them straight onto the show, and um, that was the first date of the show. Obviously, that was our first show in ten years. Yes. <laughs> um, and I don't know if you know the story, but basically there, there was a power cut for the whole block. Yeah. So all the power went out for the whole block, and we weren't sure we were actually going to be able to play the show or not. But fortunately, it came back on just in time. So, uh, so yeah, we were able to do it. But yeah, they're, they're a great bunch of guys. So there was no question that I'd invite them to be on the single. So yeah, just well, if quickly then, just to jump onto the two singles we've done. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's because even though we released on United Kingdom and everything's fucked in the year 2000, which is obviously a long time ago, yeah. I just sort of, I started seeing, you know, Brexit disaster happening, yeah. you know, and I thought, do you know what? We're just going to have to re-release on the United Kingdom with, you know, and we'll get some guests on there and we'll just re-release it because it's really apt for today. Um, and we released that on obviously the day that Boris was celebrating Brexit. That's when we released on the United Kingdom re-release. Um, and then with everything's fucked, I, I just sort of, I speak to John in LA every day. And I just said to him, I don't know about you, but everything is properly fucked. And <laughs> if there's going to be a time to release it, it's got to be now. And John said, I totally agree with you. Let's do it. And I said, well, wait, wait, wait. That's just one thing. I'd like to try and get, you know, around 20 of our friends on it if possible. And John said, you are completely insane. And I said, yes, <laughs> but how many people are going to have 20 people on one single? Yeah, so, um, so I contacted everybody, you know, through to, you know, Stephen Akira, through to, you know, old, old friends and acquaintances like yeah. Frank Turner. And everyone just said, what a great idea. Yes. So it was literally, you know, great stories of people saying uh, people in lockdown. So some of the singers were saying, I live in an apartment with my wife and children and it's an open plan apartment. <laughs> so I'm going to have to wait for them to go to bed and wait for them to all be asleep before I start rocking out and recording my vocals. Otherwise I'll just get disturbed and they'll be on the recording. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it was great. Eventually we kind of got around to doing it and some people were saying I can't access my normal recording facilities because I can't leave that house because I'm not permitted to travel or, you know, all the things that initially yeah. happened for lockdown for everybody. So we had people recording stuff into, into iPhones and just whatever they had basically. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it was, it was fun, but we got there and I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased with the, you know, with the end product, so to speak. Yeah, no, it sounds like it sounds like a massive amount of fun, to be honest, like getting all those people involved um and you're right i mean it's still incredibly apt for today and and it's like uh obviously john's got his perspective over in the states i kind of got like that i left as trump was taking power um yeah so i saw the sort of like i watched the whole thing happen um yes. so it was kind of like a it was a I, I could see it happening as well which was like part of my like th like 
I kept telling my wife he's going to win. He's going to win. It's not, I don't, yeah. I don't yeah. you know, it was just, and it's just, it just doesn't, it just speaks to the way a lot of people are at the moment. So like exactly. Which, which I think, yeah, I think sort of the, the combination of what's happening in America and the UK and, yeah. you know, the whole world, because obviously we've always been interested in what's happening in world politics and yeah. on the world stage. But I think, you know, that, that initially my idea for the tour was just to name it the slow motion ruin tour. <laughs> and, and, John, and John said, I nearly agree with you, but I really want to call it the slow motion apocalypse tour. And I said, OK, you win. Yeah. <laughs> so so that, that's kind of where the tour name came from. Nice. Um, but yeah, on, on a quicker side, I don't know if you've seen it. There's a, there's a fantastic um, little cartoon, which is basically a... It's a cartoon of a guy walking his dog in a park in a forest or whatever, and, and a spaceship's landed, and an alien's obviously run down the, the, the gangway off of the spaceship, and he's standing in front of the spaceship talking to the guy walking his dog. And the alien's saying, we came here as soon as we could. Sorry, we got here as soon as we could. Has Trump been born yet? Which is a great cartoon. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's absolute madness what's going everywhere, and uh, the, the the pandemic doesn't help either. It kind of it's 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 fueled a lot. I mean, I work in. Um, I went back to work about a month ago, and I work yeah. in a sort of like uh, customer facing environment. Thankfully, the company I work for has enforced the fact that people have to wear masks when they come into the place. Okay. And sanitize and stuff, but the amount of like uh, pushback and stuff like that that a few people have gotten for it, uh, it's yeah. just crazy. When you're just trying to help, and um, we're in masks all day, it's not as though we do anything, you know. Like you know, I fix people's stuff, so you get a lot of people come in. But you know, there's a few people they just pull down their masks, start talking to you, and you're like, uh, "What are you doing? What are you yeah. doing? I want, I want to survive, you know." <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, it's not yeah, a joke. It's not a joke. But um, no, it's just like yeah, just you see, you see people kind of like or you see those people kind of come out and you're like okay everything is completely screwed or fucked yes as it is so um but yeah so i mean i'm looking forward to the tour next year hopefully it will go ahead without any problems and stuff and this sort of pandemic is kind of contained i'm not gonna say it's I, hope, I hope so too i mean the reason that i put it so far back I, I kind of you know obviously came up with the plan you know arranged it all with john and we hooked up with dhp for the tour i think we wanted to just push it far enough back to make sure hopefully it will happen but yeah. also you know we want something to look forward to as well after all this shit so it's like kind of <laughs> we, we thought if we put it then it'd be you know a good time for everyone to just you know have a party basically yeah. kind of what we wanted to do and we thought it'd be a good time for us to experiment and do a few different things so I laid down the gauntlet and said to John, I challenge you to do an acoustic set the day after the Rock City show. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and and he, he picked up the gauntlet. So, And we're, we're going to make that really special as well. Nice. It might sound like a crazy thing for us, but you can track down, obviously, acoustic versions of Civilized Society and lots, you know, some of the yeah. other tracks. So we know we can make it work, and we're going to work hard to make sure that's a good, a good show. Yeah. So, no, yeah. I saw that. I was, like, looking at it because I, I bought tickets for the Nottingham show. Um but combining that with like a hotel and stuff, I, I really wanted it, but I can't because there's a couple of us going. So sure, okay. <laughs> but it sounds real. I mean, if you're going to record it or whatever, I think that's we will. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's just going to be funny and amazing because I always love yes. to hear songs that you wouldn't normally know, like would translate acoustically. Um, yeah, but trying to figure out in my head, I, I yeah, I, I, I look forward to hearing it on that. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, you've got Raging Speed one on the show. Um, as yes. well, um, or a couple of the shows. So have you got any other tour supports lined up or is that still kind of 
that's all still going at the moment. So yeah. um, I was I was going to say because obviously coming back to what you were talking about earlier, you know, one minute silence and, and bands yeah. back in the day, as we would say, something that we learned from you know very early on was when we were playing with. You know, initially on Peaceville, they weren't sure what to do with us, so they just put us on with everybody. So, I mean, we ended up playing with Napalm Death and yeah. Carcass and Paradise Lost and everybody, basically. Okay. But something we learned back in that day was, you know, camaraderie and looking out for everyone and being part of a scene, even if it's not your scene, making it a wider scene and whatever it might be. And yeah. we kind of, we learned that and we stuck with that all the way through. And that still sticks with us now. So it's like kind of... What we will be doing, of course, and what we are doing right now is we're looking at, you know, up-and-coming UK bands. Of course, we want to get people out with us and we want to support them because it's as much about other bands as it is about us too. Yeah. Um, so I am currently, um, you know, looking through support bands, calling managers, speaking to bands, etc. Um, you know, funnily enough, some bands are saying to me it's too early they don't want to commit. Okay. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but we kind of, you know, Speedhorn, we've known the Speedhorn for years and yes. they're like, absolutely, we're in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they are full stop. They were tall whores. I think they, I think they were. It is. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, back, and I know back in the day I, they were on everything. If I remember exactly, right, and I know, right. I know some of the Speedhorn guys came to see us at our last Nottingham show, and I think yeah. they were just like, "Fuck yeah, we want to do it." So, nice. so that was you know, it's been fun. So yeah, hopefully in the next couple of months uh, there will start to be more announcements about the other sport bands. So I am working on it at the moment. Cool. Um, there's a you know, as, as you know, doing a podcast, there's just so much music to listen to right now, yes. and I, I don't, I don't, I want to make sure I don't miss anyone. So I'm kind of literally challenging myself to try and listen to at least 50 bands a week in, nice. in terms of like figuring out who to take out with us yeah that's really cool um i i, I i'm gonna drop seething akira's name just purely because i like them of course <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but you, you probably already got them in your mind um they've, yeah. they, they've already been on the phone don't worry oh, yes yes i'm sure they have <laughs> um, but no, that, that, that'd be really cool i'm really looking forward to it because i really like raging speedhorn as well i was a big fan of them back in the day so um and great yes yeah, it's just gonna be, it was like the night because we decided to go to the nightingale show because earth tone nine are like one of my favorite bands of kind of ever um great and um and blueprint as well obviously the offshoot of that i was um obviously a fan of you you were in the blueprint so i was a fan of yours there as well Um, that's right (laughs) but you weren't in that show what was up with that no so what (laughs) happened with the blueprint was um matt grundy was a live guitarist with us in pitch shifter for a while um and we were sitting in a car park one day and on whatever tour it was and i kind of said to matt it would be great to do something that sounds like this in this style yeah. in this vein and, and matt said i'd love to do that and i said well when we get back why don't we start a new band then <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's kind of where the blueprint came from we then wrote some songs we then went to record with andy sneep and yep. we did two eps um which I'm really proud of, you know, it's great, you know, to be part of it. And then life kind of took me in a different direction and I'd moved to Brighton for for a while yeah. and it was just too difficult to kind of keep doing everything. You know, there comes a time when you can't do everything sadly. Yes. Um, so I kind of said to, to the, to the blueprint guys, look, I'll, I'll, I'll step down, but you know, for all, all mean, you know, by all means keep going. Um, and you know, I wish you all the best, but I just can't, I'm not going to be able to make that trip to keep rehearsing and playing live and et cetera, et cetera. So, mm. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Oh, fair enough. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's because I did ask Jim why he wasn't involved in the dot com thing, um, but he just sort of like said because you guys already had a tight unit with the Rainers and yourselves. 
Um, yeah, that's right. You know, you know so it's just um, it was just kind of the last, um, you know, the last formation, or whatever you want to call it, the yeah. last team that we t- that we took out on the road that yeah. ten years before would would have you know just felt like the right sort of incarnation of the band yeah. to take out for the dot com one. Um, that doesn't mean to say that you know Jim might not get up and play with us again one day. Um, so yeah, that no, would be it's all cool. <laughs> yeah, and like I said, you know, we're we're all still very good friends. It was re- it was yeah. great fun to play on Jim's new record. Really enjoyed that. Yeah. So, you know, so that's cool. No, that was a, it. Was a good record. I really enjoyed it, and um, I'm still enjoying it now. Actually, so it's all good. Um, so I've got a couple of questions left for you that's right sure. kind of gone over of course a bit on the thing, no worries at all cool um so what i want to find out uh from you is your these are sort of like centric to you so your these are um what are your three sort of most influential albums the ones that kind of made you want to pick up the guitar or make music um the, the sort of like when you heard a certain well when you heard a certain album and it sort of inspired you to do something which ones were they um, if I if I literally rewind all the way back to 1989, which is kind of when the end of 1989, which is when we started getting ideas together for Pitch Shifter. Mm. Oh, let me think what records blew my mind. I think it uh, certainly Killing Joke, the first album, yeah. was completely different to anything I'd heard before. And there was a band called Slab S L A B with um, an exclamation mark at the end of it, who sadly didn't didn't get anywhere and didn't get known. And the, they did a record called Ascension, which which I would recommend for anyone to check out. And, and when you look at the year that was released, it'll, it'll just be mind blowing as to what how, how could they have done this thirty five years ago? Because it's literally. <laughs> It's they're, they're playing around with beats and heavy guitars and stuff before it was even an idea in, in people's minds. So that's a great record. Um, and then it probably would have been there's just so many records. I'll probably yeah. just have to say a few band names if that's okay. Oh, go um, for it. Monolith by Amoebix would be another one. Um, and the Head of David, the first Head of David record um, as well, was one that we just kept playing over and over again. But we were we were discovering lots and lots of new music because we would just sit down and listen to John Peel as much as we could and we'd sit there and we'd make a note of all the bands he was playing we'd then try and get hold of their stuff so of course at that point he was playing everybody Extreme Nice Terror Carcass Snake on Death you know all the heavy stuff he was coming out with so we we were just sort of getting into more and more music as we went along and then obviously amazingly we ended up supporting loads of those bands who still remember us which just blows my mind all the time for example we played with um, Gorilla Biscuits that would have been 30 years ago. I had a message via someone saying Walter says hello because obviously he went on to do Quicksand and he's yeah. still doing his own stuff. And yeah, Neurosis, all those guys. It's just been amazing. Nice. Nice. Excellent. So Excellent. sorry, I've, I've got I've gone off on a sideways no, there, no, but yeah, no, but they they'd be the main main records and and sort of bands that influenced us. Cool. I'm definitely going to check those out. Um, I haven't heard that Slab album, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go definitely check that out. Um, that's cool well I'll, I'll throw in one more then a record yeah. that we played a lot was uh, it's a German band called Eisenwarte which is a German band and Eisenwarte in English translates as Iron Father and it's like they are they're a pre-Napalm Death which which sounds crazy thing to say but it's <laughs> really heavy down tuned amazing music nice so yeah cool I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check that out oh, fantastic cool um, so Mark what are your hobbies away from music so I know you said you like to sort of keep doing music um, do you do anything else away from it 
Um, what I do away from music, um, the thing I've been doing recently, which is away from music, but it is music, <laughs> is, is uh, I've started up a charity project called Last Night at DJ Saved My Life Bristol, yep. um, which is where I'm based at the moment. So I've been crowdfunding to raise money um, to buy small portable hand-wound radios. So basically they, they don't need battery power. Yeah. Um, they can charge from the mains or take batteries, but they solar charge and they, they wind by crank. So they have a small crank handle on the side. Um, and basically a lot of people in the music industry came to sort of um, donate to it. So um, 2000 Trees Festival, Arc Tangent Festival, um, lots of musicians have sort of like supported it. And I've managed to raise enough money for between 150 to 200 radios so far. Um, so I'm going to be um, ordering and getting those radios and delivering them to charities across Bristol in August. So that's going to take up quite a bit of time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and other things I do, I can't, I can't stop helping other bands. So, you know, there's a lot of, if there's local or national bands who kind of say, hey, what did you do when you were at this stage because we're frustrated, we're tearing our hair out, we can't seem to get further than here? Yeah. Or what do we need to do next to make this happen or whatever it might be? So a lot of sort of mentoring and helping bands out um, I like to do that I also like to keep fit um, cool. which I guess we all have to do now we're so old yes. and um, <laughs> that's kind of it <laughs> so okay. yeah but still lots of music obviously like I said I, I'm trying to hear as much new music all the time as possible so I, I literally will consume music like you wouldn't believe that's amazing yeah. no that's, that's basically how I spent lockdown um, yeah between sort of looking after the kids and stuff it was just sort of like it gave me a, a great opportunity to actually listen to everything that I was getting in. Um, yes, Because there's always that point where you get loads of stuff and you get sort of so much of a backlog, you kind of cut off after a date, and then, uh, well, that's what I do. Um, but now I've like I've discovered so many bands during this like pandemic period, and it's been absolutely amazing. Yeah, um, that's great because because I, I think the thing I know there's been a lot of worry because obviously live music's taken a really big hit and it's yeah. a lot of people's incomes and it's great that people are sort of rallying together to try and do as much as they can to support not just the people on stage but it's the people behind the stage and around the stage and in front of the stage that need the support too. Yeah, so you know that that is really important. But I think you know without sounding hopefully not too wishy washy, it's kind of uh, it, music's got people through a lot of shit. Yes, and uh, that that's a lot of personal shit, a lot of political shit and a lot of societal change shit so it's not going anywhere <laughs> so no. you know so you know that, there's obviously been a lot of worry of you know a lot of bands might split up because they can't afford to keep going and etc yeah. etc et but i think music will just keep going it just does yeah it will just yeah it'll just keep yeah. on keeping on it always yeah. finds a way exactly no so, no exactly yeah people always want to make it people always want to hear it exactly so. and exactly and people will find different ways of trying to get it out there and everything so or even perform yes. and stuff like that so yeah no music will persevere as they say so um yeah cool um have you got a link for your charity by the way um is it still people still able to donate if people want to yeah if people want to look on, to go on to crowdfunder it's um it's just last night at dj saved my life bristol it's on crowdfunder nice okay cool right. so yeah please do have a look if you've got a chance even you know if anything makes a difference it'd be great yeah no i, I really because i read about that actually and and i was thought that's amazing like giving people radios because it's such a it's, it's such a way of like it's a one-way communication tools but it's it kind of like it, it's it's company 
Um, well, exactly. And I mean, I won't go on about it too much because, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it is what it is. And people can see on, on sort of, you know, on the crowdfunder page. But it's, you know, it's mainly for people um, who are homeless and people yeah. who are elderly and completely on their own. Because right now they've got no idea what's going on. You yeah. know, it's like kind of they're not seeing people as they normally see them. They're even more isolated. And having a radio, DJ music's always great. But also having a radio for news updates because... You know, I'm probably not the only person to think that, is it me or does the government change their mind every fucking five minutes? You know, it's like kind of people really need to be, you know, be told what's happening. Otherwise, they're just going to get lost and left behind. No, it's exactly, exactly that. And they are changing their mind every... Like, no no one wants to admit no one knows what they're doing. Yes. And I don't think there'll be any shame in saying we don't know what we're doing, as in we're learning as things are going on. But yeah. because they're kind of throwing everything at it and like, you know, oh, yeah, I could go on for hours. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yes, no, I agree. I agree. But no, that's a fantastic idea on the charity side of things. Uh, thank I'm going to check that. I'll put it all in the in the notes for people to look at the show notes and stuff. So great. Thank, thank you very much. That link and donate if they can. Um, yes. But yeah, that, that's all I've got, man. Um, uh, th- thank you for your time. Um, You're more than welcome. Thank uh, you for asking me on as a guest. Oh, no problem at all. I really appreciate it. Um, I hope yeah, everything's all right with you, family, and everything all good and great. Yeah, life good, in Bristol and whatnot is good. Um, yes. Thank you very much again for your time, man. I really do appreciate it. Um, I'm looking forward to next year um, with the tour and everything. Yes. Uh, and seeing you guys live again. Yeah. Um, let's hope we're all still alive. And anyone who's listening, if you're still alive, come along. It'd yes. be fun. Yeah. I'll tell people to buy tickets now. So at least you know yes. how many people should be there. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> cool, man. Well, you have a fantastic rest of your evening, all right? Yeah, thank you very much. Thank Take you. care. You too. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. Bye.